0: Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and I am joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello, So Paige, we are talking today about babies and toddlers and people always want to know, can my toddler learn self-government? I mean, I would love (laughs) for them to learn how to keep themselves in control a little bit, how to have less tantrums, maybe, um, how to go to bed. Oh, how do you get them to go to bed? You know, we probably should do a whole podcast on just that one. Anyway. Um, How do you get them to go to bed? How do you get them to eat their food? How do you get them to not bite, not hit? You know, all these things. Those are all self-government things. And so we are going to be talking today about self-government skills that can be used with babies and toddlers and how I raised my children to govern themselves. And now how how thousands and thousands of families all over the world have raised their children as well from the time they were just little to self-govern. Now also you can teach it when the children are older too. So if you've got toddlers and and big children don't worry you can teach it to all ages and we'll talk about some of that as well but before we do we have a tradition here at the teaching self-government podcast that we present some sort of family activity something that you can do fun and today Paige we've got to come up with a family activity that is for toddlers what is a super fun family activity that you remember maybe doing with your brothers and sisters when they were toddlers since you were one of the
1: Oh, I remember. Uh, There's a good one that we loved, especially when we were younger. Uh, We called it sticky paper, but it's actually contact paper. So especially for those people who are familiar with scrapbooking and like days before laminating machines, you know, covering things up, that contact paper is super fun. And I remember we always used it for crafts. Um, And when we were little, we would use it just to like walk on, stick our fingers and hands on. And it was so cool because it would like stick to our hands and then we pull it up and it just felt so weird and cool. And sticky paper is, or contact paper is really, really good for babies and toddlers. It is. Okay.
0: So this is what I started using sticky paper for. So when you were little, Paige, you and, and Quinn, my oldest two, when you were like little children, preschoolers, toddlers. Um, It has to be at a time when you're not going to put the stuff in your mouth. This is important. (laughs) So when you're past the time of putting stuff in your mouth, then I would put you in your high chair and I would take a piece of clear contact paper and I would peel off the backing. So it was just the clear piece, sticky side up. And then I would take some masking tape and I would tape it in all four corners to your tray of your high chair. Mm -hmm. And then on the side of the tray of the high chair, I would put some little things like, like little, um, sequins, or, you know, how they have little shiny, like those things you can put down the middle of a table at a celebration where it will say like, uh, like happy new year or happy birthday or whatever, or they'll have like little balloons, like confetti type stuff, but it's a little bit bigger. So those things, or maybe we'd have little, um, little stickers or little pictures that were just, or die cuts, you know, little teeny die cuts. Like stamped out
1: shapes from paper.
0: Yeah, exactly. Those kinds of things. And you guys would pick it up with your fingers, which was so perfect for your little dexterity to (laughs) look at what you wanted and you would pick it up with your fingers. Then you would look at your sticky paper and you'd put it down. And if you didn't like where it was, because the sticky paper wasn't so sticky, you could actually usually kind of pick it up and put it somewhere else, too, <laughs> if you wanted it somewhere else. We did things with... Um, with popsicle sticks on the sticky paper leaves from out in the yard we'd go out and Mm -hmm. collect autumn leaves and put them on the sticky paper and then we'd cover it over after we were all done after the person had spent all the time they wanted to in their high chair at the counter in their little booster (laughs) you know doing the sticky paper activity which keeps them so happy um then we take another piece of sticky paper you know clear contact paper the other side and we cover it over and then we would use it as placemats. Sometimes like for the fall season, we had these leaf placemats, you know, we (laughs) would hang it on the window and let the light catch through all the sparklies. And oh, you guys loved it. (laughs) You loved your sticky paper. In fact, we had, you know, the big French doors. And so I'd hang it down toward the bottom where it was toddler height, right? Mm -hmm. And you'd come over and you'd look at your sticky paper and the light <laughs> shining through it. And it was just, you just loved it. Anyway, okay. There's <laughs> sticky paper. You can do so much with sticky paper. That's just one thing. Um, but that's something that we did when you guys were all little and you're right, you used to help the children and they would sit and play in it. That is true. Um, Just touching it and watching the sticky and kind of fun. And if it's taped down to the tray, they can pull their hand off and it seems pretty amazing. Gets a little nasty if their hands aren't clean, but there you go, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. It's so cheap. You can buy like a roll of clear contact paper at your local Walmart for like, I don't know, five or $6 and it lasts forever. And Forever. you can take, I know and you can take some of those treasured paperback children's books that are falling apart because they've eaten them or they've used <laughs> them so many times or whatever, and you can wrap the covers of those those paper children's books in some of that clear contact paper too. It's and- like laminating. Yes, like laminating and preserve the life of those those books. I I think I should be a spokesperson for clear contact paper, but only if they choose to change the name to sticky paper. Then I will be their spokesperson. Okay. Anyway, let's get into self-government and how babies and toddlers can learn self-government for themselves and learn to control themselves. So we look at everything here at the teaching self-government podcast through
1: the lens of self-government. So Paige, what is self-government? So self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them.
0: It is. So what that means is that you analyze yourself and you plan your own behaviors to get the desired results that you want. You understand cause and effect, and you understand that you are in charge of you. Now, I know you're thinking, are you kidding me? Toddlers? How could you get toddlers (laughs) to self-govern themselves? Now, you are right about one thing. And that is that toddlers, their brains, their little prefrontal cortexes are very, very small. So their problem-solving abilities are not as adept as the older children or as adults. A person's prefrontal cortex of their brain doesn't get fully developed until they're in their like early 20s.
1: But that doesn't often. mean anything per se because um, I know there have been multiple families of children that I've babysat for and stuff um, that I've taught Self government principles, too. And sometimes the younger kids are like the best ones at following totally. and t- doing the skills. Like they just get it.
0: Totally agreed. Because if you present it to a child beho- before their brain is like seven years old, it becomes hardwired in. That is the other thing. So, you and know, parents- anything,
1: not just self government.
0: Yeah, which is why you don't let them watch bad things or listen to bad music or Or watch a ton of TV when
1: they're young. Yeah,
0: exactly. You don't because they will think they have to be stimulated all the time. Mm -hmm. And parents make that mistake, you know, with young children for sure. But um, you know, one thing people, when they hear about self-government, they think, oh, this is just for older children. They'll say, oh, those skills, that's really great, but what do you have for babies? Or what do you have for toddlers and little children? And I think, oh, are you kidding me? If you <laughs> teach it to them when they are little, that is the best time to teach it to them. I mean, you can teach it to them all along. I was a foster parent. That's how all this started. We brought troubled youth into our home. They were 17 sometimes when they would show up and we would teach them these skills that we're going to teach you that also work for toddlers. But if you teach them to your child, when they're toddlers, they become hardwired in their brain. Mm -hmm. They just always know the skills and they always learn how to self-assess. Now, here's the other thing is that even though their prefrontal cortexes, you know, that solve their problems are really small. And that's the last part of the brain to develop. um, They still solve so many problems. If you think about it, it's like learning how to walk. This is a huge problem to solve. This connects tons of things together in the brain. Um, You know, also like learning how to pick something up right when they when they start having when they hit about nine months and they start getting like whiny and complaining because ah, they can't communicate they can't talk well especially when they hit like 18 months and they still aren't communicating very well but they are grumpy right because <laughs> because they know a whole bunch of stuff and they can't get it out and so really, there's a lot more going on there than we probably give full credit to. And, and what I have found just like you, Paige, is when I raised you guys and because you were raised with this type of parenting mm-hmm. since you were a teeny baby, since you were one year old. And as I have gone to other homes and helped them implement self-government in self-government into their families. And as I have met with other families who've been putting it into practice, I have seen amazing results with toddlers and little children and one thing that I started out with was teaching my child the word okay so it's true
1: yeah word you used number used tell one. Us all the time you're like yeah you know I'd be changing your diaper or whatever and we'd say okay uh-huh you know and okay. so you just had to say okay and so that was always one of our first words uh-huh. because um,
0: babies and if you understand how how the brain works um, we memorize intonation of certain things that's why we can memorize songs mm-hmm. more than we can memorize words and so if a parent's song voice is a little bit sing-songy then the children remember it more actually and that and you know what parents do this by nature anyway <laughs> so parent, parents will say oh isn't that sweet or oh that's a boo-boo a (laughs) boo-boo that sounds musical it's like my I'm changing from low to high to low and it's kind of sing-songy and we do that without even thinking with our children Mm -hmm. and it benefits them linguistically
1: baby talk
0: Exactly. You know, people make fun of parents for doing it because it's sort of funny, you know, (laughs) but we don't even think about the fact that we're doing it. But what we're doing without even knowing it is appealing to parts of their brain that will remember linguistic patterns because they remember them through the song, through Mm -hmm. the sing-songy nature. And so what I would do is is once I got you guys to say ma, ma, because that was my sing-songy for mama. I wanted you to say that before, da, da, da. And it, <laughs> <laughs> and wow, so, so selfish. I, it, it was selfish. The first child said da, da first, and I was a little crushed. I'm like, that is not <laughs> happening again. And so by the time you came along, Paige, I would I would sit there and I would hold you in my arms and I would say, ma, ma. And then you would start going, ma. and then I, we would get it a little faster, you know, mama, (laughs) mama. (laughs) Anyways. So yeah. Okay. I know people are like, seriously, she's talking baby talk on this. Okay. Okay, So
1: it's all good.
0: Yeah. So then, um, then the next word and maybe even simultaneously taught would be okay. Okay. And see how I lifted up at the end. So I would say, we're going to put your socks on. Okay. Now we're going to put your shoes on. Okay. We're going to tie this. Okay. And I would always say, okay, because I wanted you to learn. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I wanted you to learn that really early because if you could learn that word, I knew that I could teach you to govern yourself. Mm -hmm. And so that word was key from the very beginning. (laughs) So now when it comes to when they're babies and toddlers and they're having tantrums, then the person who needs self-government is the parent. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Now I know that we want them to learn self-government and and there are ways to do that, but it's a slower, more incremental process because their brains are so small Mm -hmm. and that's okay. So the most important thing is that the parents have self-government. Now this is not the podcast for how to have parental (laughs) self-government. We have another podcast all about calmness. We've got other podcasts talking about different aspects of self-government, which are going to help you with your own parental self-government. I also have a calm parenting toolkit that might be very beneficial for you on my website, teachingselfgovernment.com. That can help you with your own parental calmness. Um, So that's going to be key number one, because to some Mm -hmm. degree, they will cry and, you know, and have a few fits. They have to learn how to use the skills and, and get past that. And we'll talk about how to do that here. So, okay. So let's talk about, um, Paige, I know you don't have babies yet, so I'm just going
1: to like kind of do a bit of this here. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, well, I was just saying, I, I would love to talk about like why learning the word okay very off, at the very beginning is like super beneficial for kids.
0: Oh yeah. Well, so. Cause like I have re- an idea. Yeah. Well, the reason why that a person or that you would want to teach them is because those skills that we teach, right? Mm -hmm. That they, one of the steps to all of the four basic skills that we teach children is to say, okay, or to disagree appropriately. And so we want them to have the vocabulary because that's the only word they have to be able to say to start learning some of the four basic skills. And if, so if they have that word down, they can understand the concept of what's going on before they can get their brain to say the word. And so it just helps them put the skill sets together and be right. more successful.
1: Okay. That's what I was thinking. Cause I'm like, you know, yeah. with, with the skills that we're going to teach here in just a second, um, one of the steps in basically all of them is to say, okay. And so, and after a child knows how to say, okay, then you can begin teaching them by example and just through normal teaching, like to say, okay. And be okay. Yeah.
0: Super important. Okay, so let's, uh, let's just really briefly. I don't have time to do an entire call on, on what, you know, developmentally is happening <laughs> behaviorally, you know, with babies and toddlers, but let's just spend a, a little minute here and then we're going to move on to these structural elements, skills, and things that we're talking about. Um, so, so, with babies and toddlers, their brains see opposites so well. OK, they see, you know, this kind of face versus this kind of face. They hear mama's voice versus daddy's voice, the low and the high and um, and, and they hear the no and then they get the instruction. And and so everything for them is about happy and sad, good and bad um, mom and dad, okay, like everything is opposites, okay. All right, it'll be perfect. I, I just happened, it was so perfect, <laughs> anyways. So, so, anyway, that's where their brains are at. So, when it comes to behavior, the emphasis is on teaching that cause and effect really early because they can grasp cause and effect. When they are sitting in their high chair and they drop their fork down and go, uh-oh, they say, <laughs> uh-oh, because when they dropped it the first time you said, uh-oh. And they're like, I can do that. Drop, <laughs> uh-oh. And it's a game, but it's a cause and effect game. So this is really important for us to recognize. They absolutely can learn cause and effect when they are toddlers and babies. In fact, they that's, already That's all are. that they do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they are. They're learning self-mastery, self-control, and cause and effect. And this is what it means to self-govern yourself, is to say, how can I control myself to get the effect that I want? So when they start having their full-on tantrums, it's because at that point, they, they're out of skills and the only skill they know is scream till you get it scream till somebody figures it out Mm -hmm. because they don't have any more skills left so how wise would it be for a parent to come in and say i'm going to teach you the skills that you need well i'll tell you what it's super wise that doesn't mean they won't have any moments of frustration because as they learn and grow there's always these little you know these little learning bumps in their path that they have to go through but it makes it so much easier for them. I mean, even little two-year-olds can, can disagree appropriately. And it's the cutest me. thing ever. And it's so cute. <laughs> you are so... <sober. laughs> I mean, there's nothing that melts my heart more than hearing a little two-year-old go, "I disagree appropriately... <laughs>
1: You that's a mouthful they, for them but they do it
0: <laughs> they, they know what it sounds like they may not know the actual definition of all of those things <laughs> but they know what they're going to do afterward and they know that that means they're going to be understood yeah and it is so empowering and so exciting to see. I just love it. There's these YouTubers that use my stuff and, um, and they'll post videos of their family, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, they just are out doing their YouTuber thing, like, you know, the, the April and Davy channel and Jordan Page and some of these people and, and they post, <laughs> they post pictures and, and stuff of their children doing things. And I'm like, oh my word, it's just the cutest thing ever when I see those <laughs> little little teeny ones doing stuff. So fun. Okay, so what is required, Paige, to create an environment where self-government can be taught to toddlers and anybody else for that
1: matter? Um, well, first of all, you have to kind of make an environment where you are going to be willing to follow a set, set of principles and skills that you're going to teach your kids. Yeah. So a structure. Yeah. So a family structure, um, which actually is part of a family culture, which you are in the process of creating, um, Mm -hmm. especially as you're, you know, having more children, you know, building your family. Um, and even before you have kids, I know for me, you know, I'm still considered a newlywed right now. And my husband and I are creating a family culture. You know, we talk about things we want to uh, have as part of our family life and things that we're you're doing now to kind of create things that we'll continue to do later. You know, it's just creating that family culture is very, very important. And so for us Mm -hmm. growing up, for me, family culture was our family was run by a set of principles and skills. And that was just what we did. And it was very consistent, which means it cut down on uh, anxiety and uh, stress and for kids and parents. It was super nice, um, and so the main thing what we what we focused on, especially when we were younger, was the four basic skills, which is kind of what we're going to talk about a little bit mm-hmm. today. Um, we can't go into you know huge detail, but everything can be found in ginormous detail um, at teaching dot I love that ginormous
0: detail. Savvy. Yes, great, great detail, yes. even to the using <laughs> of the word ginormous, which we don't usually use. And gigantic and enormous and it's a ginormous okay yes. so um so structure is a huge part of that culture that we create also tone so mm-hmm. how it feels these are the two different parts the tone and the structure the tone should be calmness there should be love security mercy acceptance patience there's a lot of that going on but also consistency firmness those are all part of the tone and then the structure is is the the skills that you use the processes that you go through in order to maintain that tone and the relationships in the family we're not going to spend a lot of time on tone here um there are a lot of other podcasts that are on tone and that will probably be in the made in the future about tone so
1: (laughs) and on the website
0: yeah, I mean, that Calm podcast is, is a really good one for Tone. Anyway, so so go look for that. And yeah, go to the website because there's a lot more there, a ginormous amount. <laughs> anyway, so um, but let's talk about these skills. So we teach four basic skills, following instructions, accepting no answers, and criticism. That's the same skill. Accepting consequences and disagreeing appropriately. And each one of these four basic skills has a skill set attached to it. And so that skill set that is attached to it has has multiple different steps, like look at the person, keep a calm face, voice, and body, that kind of thing. So it helps the person know step by step where they did well and where they might have messed up so that they know what to fix. If a person learns all of those four basic skills, that takes care of 99% of their behavioral problems. And here's the exciting thing. Toddlers can learn all four of those four basic skills. In fact, we've got children's books that teach those four basic skills to oh, children. They so are nice. beautiful picture books, hardback, beautiful Um London, the race says, okay, Porter earns a quarter page takes the stage and big win for Quinn. Those are all available on teaching self You can find that whole package for a package price, which will save you some money, which is good anyway. So page, when you think about babies and toddlers, and I know from your years doing nannying and stuff like that, What skills do the toddlers and and the babies really seem to need very first and to work on very first?
1: So the very first ones um, are actually the two, the first two of the four basic skills, which are following instructions and accepting no for an answer, because that is basically all we do, especially when, you know, children are like, Hey, go do this or no, you can't have that, you know? And Mm -hmm. so teaching them to be okay with following instructions and being okay with hearing no for an answer. And those those are so big because I know I know for me I've gone to the store many times and I've seen you know moms who are at their wits' end with a crying child and because they told them no and now they're screaming and it's just like okay you know so they don't have these skills. Mm-hmm. Um and so I remember you know teaching these two younger kids just those two. And my time with them was so much smoother than it would have been if I hadn't.
0: It's like a magic pill, huh? I don't believe in magic pills, okay? Because <laughs> especially when it comes to parenting, they're going to keep growing. They're going to keep learning. You have to keep your consistency. You have to keep teaching, keep understanding, keep talking. There's no magic pills. I mean, I you know, I wish I could say there was, but the closest thing to a magic pill are these four basic skills, especially if you have the parental skills to solve the problems too. Um, but when, when little children, and like Paige said, the little toddler children, they pick these up lightning fast, especially if you praise them so if Mm -hmm. they learn this if they do the skill and you go yay you said okay you're awesome at following instructions today you know we used (laughs) to have these like little we used to have these little sing songy things that I would say I'd be like London said okay London said okay 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 London said okay and and that was my and little smile. <laughs> yeah. so then when we go to the store it was a game they'd be like mom can I have sugar pops and I'd be like I'm going to give you a no answer nope and they'd go okay so that I would have to walk through the store singing <laughs> Porter said, okay, <laughs> you know? they loved it. We loved it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I'm like the sing songy lady that everyone probably thinks is a nut job, but that's okay because <laughs> it was really fun and you guys learned it. So as long as you're praising it when they do well, um, they really pick it up like, like mm-hmm. a magic pill. And, and if they don't do it well, then you have to learn how to do a correction. Now we don't have time on this podcast to talk about how to do an effective correction. Um, it's a seven step process that you go through to correct the children. And that sounds intricate, but it's really intuitive. It's, it's
1: not. Maybe we'll do like a TSG with toddlers 2.0 and cover the last two.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should. Anyway, so um, so that's something you can definitely find about, you know, find out about in the Teaching Self-Government Parenting course and in some of the books and things that we have. So um, there's a lot of stuff there and, and some YouTube videos that we have. There's stuff there. So there's all kinds of things. Anyway, um, but you want to correct it too. So the consistency is important. Why? Because they learn cause and effect. So if something happens good, it's got to be praised. If something happens wrong, it must be corrected. If you allow bad behavior to go, even when they're in public, if you allow behavior, bad behavior to go without being consistently corrected, the child will learn to manipulate you. And that is key. And that's what usually when you see a mother at a store struggling like no end with some toddler that's having a meltdown, it's because she's made the habit of not being consistent at the store lots of times because she just wants to get through the shopping trip. She's or like, just we just not gotta correcting get done.
1: bad behavior in general.
0: Yeah, maybe she doesn't correct it. She tries to change the subject instead of correct correct it or something. And so then the child right there with an audience knows they can turn it on and almost get whatever they want from mom. Mm -hmm. And, or they can show their power by getting mom to lose control, which also helps them feel like they were powerful. It's it's cause and effect. It teaches power struggle. So that's huge. Um, So we do an effective correction with the toddlers and the little ones and everyone actually. (laughs) And then um, when children are older, we use something called the rule of three But when they're little, like age, probably like six and under, we use a calm down place. We do not use timeout. So Mm -hmm. shout it from the rooftops. We don't use timeout. And the the reason why we don't use timeout is because um, isolation is not the point of a negative consequence. There should always be a feeling of unity, a tone of unity, connectedness. And when you correct your child, you should feel closer to your child during and after correction than you did before. So mm-hmm. isolating the child gives the wrong message. It and leaves,
1: it's very manipulative on the parent's part. And the kids might not necessarily be able to put a finger on it, but over time they will learn, okay, well, fine. I'll just go sit in this place and I'll be quiet. Like mom wants me to. And then at some point she'll come back. Yeah. And
0: actually there's a point where it doesn't work too. And they you know they fight it and they run away and they just up the ante on the emotion mm-hmm. you know kind of thing so there is a way to use a calm down place but it is not a negative consequence and that's something I talk about when I teach intensive teaching in the teaching self-government program and then how to transition from that to uh, a rule of three and that's not counting to three by the way we do not do that that's <laughs> it's it's a, a process that we go through like actually a nine-step process that you go through when someone's completely out of control, but how to transition from one to the other once they hit that age as well. So you want to learn both of those things no matter the age of your children because their needs parenting-wise adjust as they get a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to have all the skills in place to handle things for even when they're older. So anyway, that's what we use to correct things. So you got to be consistent to teach them cause and effect. Now there is one other thing that I feel like I've got to touch on this is like, probably, um, in my opinion, the golden nugget. So if we ever do a call on how to get children to go to bed, or how to eat their peas, or whatever, you know, um, (laughs) something that we probably should do, and we'll have to put that on a list to do sometime. Um, The key piece in those, in teaching the toddlers skills like that, the key piece is pre-teaching. Pre-teaching, which means you teach all of these four basic skills, especially those two that they need really bad, the following instructions, accepting no answers. You teach those ahead of time and you teach how you will praise. So you teach them the sing-songy thing that you will do. You teach them how you will correct, meaning the exact words. You show them how you would use a calm down place and then what, how you would carry out a negative consequence to still teach them cause and effect. So you would teach them the whole process ahead of time. And when you do, and you role play practice with them, so they get to practice in the minute, and they get to see you and your spouse practicing, or you and some of the older children potentially um, practicing. Then they see, okay, that's what it looks like. So here's the rule of thumb with a toddler: they are learning cause and effect. They learn primarily through cause and effect. The problem solving part of their brain is expanding and growing at a rapid rate, but still way behind everybody else that's older than them. And so they need to have much more experience and exposure to doing things the right way than to doing Mm -hmm. things the wrong way. In fact, one of the steps in our effective correction is to do practice of practicing things the right way, because this pre-teaching is so vital. So if we can think in terms of number one, don't react emotionally, that's your tone thing calmness. Okay. Calmness. See other calmness resources. Anyway, don't, (laughs) don't react emotionally when something happens with the child, that's important
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so that they don't learn to power struggle with you. And so that you can keep your own level head on the teaching and then focus on the teaching. So even if they did something wrong, don't put your emphasis there, put your emphasis on what's to come when, when you are parenting babies and toddlers, you are laying a framework. Yeah. It's important to not take
1: it personal because Why would you? They're young. Most likely they're not doing it intentionally. And Mm -hmm. so use it as a teaching moment, you know. So I Mm -hmm. think that's really, really big.
0: Totally. And because this foundation you're laying is huge. Mm -hmm. This is a very big foundation. It will prepare them for everything better in the future. I've seen people with children other places completely out of control, unruly. And I immediately know there is some foundational work that could have helped so that they wouldn't be so out of control, likely, if that foundational work would have been done. When they are little, you must nip everything in the bud. You have to stop every little tiny behavior. um, And not not in an aggressive way, but in a teaching way, point them in the right way, doing it the right way. And then your children end up really well behaved, even if they process a little bit differently, maybe you're a little emotional, you know, even if that foundation work is huge. So Anyway, we have just scratched the surface when it comes to toddlers and babies and starting to teach them self-government. But as you can see, we have a lot that we could share and we will continue to try to share more with you. Check out the other podcasts that we have because there are so many great Mm -hmm. things that can help you as you're preparing for your parenting journey with this little person that is in your life, which is so (laughs) much fun and find the help you need to get the skills and the training that you need to be a self-governed, calm parent and to help them be self-governed and calm too because there is more so so much more go to teachingselfgovernment.com you have to write that whole thing out teachingselfgovernment.com and you can find tons more there and we will talk to you again next time bye-bye bye-bye You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.